Welcome to the God-Centered Recovery Podcast brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. This podcast is dedicated to giving you a God-centered approach to recovery and to life. Follow along. Let's get started. Welcome into the God-Centered Men's Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Tim Holloway, and I'm glad to be back at you again. This is Happy Tuesday, brothers. Happy Tuesday. Uh, If you don't know what this is, this is a Christian men's podcast dedicated to recovery and living the spirit-filled life. So if that is you, then welcome. So we're going to continue on in Luke chapter 5. I'm going to go ahead and read the story to get started because there's um, there's just a lot here. So Jesus, he's seen some men carrying a paralytic on a mat, and he tried to they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went on the roof and lowered him on the mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. So that is in uh, Luke uh, chapter 5 there, verse 18. And it is the story of the where Jesus heals the paralytic. So we're going to glean some truth from this for, for recovery and for life. And we might just um, read a little bit more in Luke chapter 5 there. It depends on how this goes. So uh, the first thing that I, you know, I want to point out is that this guy couldn't even bring himself to Jesus. And that um, that he needed the help and assistance of other people and other brothers. I want to point that out first of all because you know sometimes uh, we can't see the path. Uh, you know, if we're inside of our addiction, we're we're um, we're an active addiction, and we we often um, don't believe in the freedom that has been purchased for us. Um, we feel shackled, we, we feel chained, we feel bound, uh, to these things and we're not able to really see clearly. And so lucky for this man, um, he had other men inside of his life that were there to carry him. And this is the crazy thing that, that we need that at times. We need the support of other men. Uh, we need the encouragement of other men. And uh, we are to be that to other people. And so it's a twofold example. The one example is to us that, you know, when we're weak, uh, when we can't carry ourselves, we can't bring ourselves to Jesus, that um, we rely on other men that are capable and able to do so powerful reality. The second reality is this, is that we are to be that to somebody else. And so once we are able to uh, stand on our own two feet and begin to walk, um, then it's part of our responsibility to do the same to others. And that is to help be a support system for other men. And so if you haven't got involved in the, um, the recovery groups that we have going on, I encourage you to do so. Uh, if you're the man who is um, struggling and unable to to stand and walk and you need the encouragement and support of your brothers, you're welcome. And if you are the man who has been rocking this for five to ten years and you're filled with wisdom and um, knowledge and a powerful relationship with God, then you're welcome too because the reality is, is that your brothers need you. Your brothers need you to to be the support system for them. And now, as I read this, I begin to think about, you know, this man being healed by Jesus. 
and it really doesn't say you know much about his faith, but he's but Jesus seen their faith, and it was the other men who thought of this plan. Uh, if you're paying attention to the story, if you read it before, there's no room for this man to be healed. There's not room for him. Um, there's multiple challenges inside of the path. And how many know that inside of recovery, we also face multiple challenges. But what's crazy about these men is that it didn't stop them. They're like, since we can't get into the front door, let's hoist this guy up on the roof. And not only that, let's take the the piece off the roof and let's lower him down right in front of Jesus. Uh, so this is kind of a, a, a bold tenacity that doesn't take no for an answer. And sometimes we need that for ourselves uh, and we need that for our brothers. A bold tenacity that says, you know what, there's many obstacles inside of our way. And so we have the choice. We can we can look at the crowd and say, you know what, we can't get through. There's obstacles in our way. So uh, I guess it's not God's will. I guess it's just not for us. And many men do that. Um, many people believe in the 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 shut door policy that you know if God um, shuts a door or if or if any sort of uh, challenge comes up or friction or anything like that comes up, ah, oh, must be not God's will. Let me go another direction. Uh, not understanding that the way of faith is the way of conflict. And that is nothing good comes easy, right? And so we got to understand that there's going to be multiple, and I do mean multiple, challenges that stand in the way from getting what we want. Here's the reality. If you want an awesome marriage, there are going to be challenges. There are going to be obstacles that you're going to have to face. And if plan A don't work, you might have to go to plan B. To have an awesome relationship with God, uh, an intimacy, a connection, and all of these things that we long for in life, there is going to be opposition to that in the form of addictions, the form of sins, the form of just overall laziness or, or seeking comfort. And all of these things, there's, there's going to be challenges, and so what we got to understand is this, is that the men didn't give up. If plan A didn't work, they went to plan B. And sometimes we come to plan A with our marriages. We come to plan A with our businesses and, and, and seek to bring health to that area of our life. And this is what we're talking about. We're talking about healing. And that is to bring health to that area of your life. And we, pl- and we try this plan A. And plan A um, just isn't going to work. And so the encouragement that I want to give you today is why not try plan B? And that is a bold tenacity to try something different because the bottom line is, is that these men wanted results. And there are giants, there, there, there are things that are going to keep you from your results. But it's only your choice to give up that keeps you from the healing that you desire. So 
Jesus seen their faith. Jesus seen their faith. And that is like a powerful reality to us also that when God looks upon us, that he sees our faith. What does that mean? It means that God takes notice. God stands up. God listens. God uh, God uh, pays attention. God sees when you rely upon him. And just imagine the great things that can be accomplished when God stands up and recognizes your reliance. That you have placed your trust in him. Now, this is the foundational key of any form of recovery, and that is reliance upon God. And I've already thoroughly talked about this, and but I'll just throw this out there one more time, that the key to understanding the Bible is not by bite nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so what that means is that there, there were men trying to do it in their own strength, you know, we call these the Pharisees and the Sadducees and and the religious leaders of the day. And we we clearly see the spirit from which they operate from and um, how they were living their life. And you see that they were trusting in their own selves. They were trusting in their own righteousness and their own good works to save them. And so the bottom line with the Christian message is, who, on whom do you rely? Do you rely on these external things, or are you going to rely on the power of God? So God sees. God sees their faith. God sees their faithfulness. And God sees their conviction. And awesome things begin to happen when this takes place. So Jesus... Um, tells the man after he heals him to arise, take up his bed, and go into his house. And as I begin to read that, I see all these action words. Now that uh, they have the faith, they have the trust, they have the reliance, the, the conviction, the inner persuasion, the only thing that's missing is the action and that is, if the man refused to arise, if the man refused to take up his bed, if the man refused to go, then he wouldn't experience the reality of what was spoken. You see, after faith comes obedience. And inside um, Hebrews, it, it spells it out for us that by faith, Abraham obeyed. And those two are attached together. We, we like to separate them in our current gospel. But the, the message has always been that faith and obedience go hand in hand. If you um, have faith, trust, and reliance upon God, then you will listen to what he says. Here's the, uh, here's the crazy thing, that, that we have religious services and all these different things, and they're meant to accomplish all kinds of different things, but the Bible says that we are going to go and to make disciples and teach them to obey, okay? And what it has, has done is been a social club 
uh, for us to get inspired, for us to get fat with knowledge, for us to even have some positive things like community and and um, encouragement and stuff like that. And I get that. But the main message or the main instruction was a discipleship where we teach men to obey. And that is in the form of the voice and the spirit of God inside of your life. So he tells this man, your sins are forgiven. And this man, uh, this causes no small stir, right? Uh, among the religious leaders because they're like, who can forgive sins but but God only? But the the part that I don't want you to miss is that he said his sins are forgiven. Now, we have this idea that that healing, that we need healing from alcoholism, that we need healing from pornography, that we need healing from the trauma that we have experienced, that and all these things, but Jesus cuts to the core. And he says, your sins are forgiven. In fact, it is one of the core issues inside of man that if we can remove the guilt, if we can remove the shame from past mistakes, if we can change a man's identity where he doesn't see himself as a mistake, but he sees himself as royalty, then it's going to fix a lot of problems in his life. And so that's why Jesus cuts to the core issue and says, your sins are forgiven. Now, this is a reality for everybody uh, who has come to real um, saving and genuine faith, that your sins, they are forgiven. And this is a fact. And what that means is that God himself has sent them away. And he has ordered them to depart the, the very word uh, talks about a driving force that cast something away. That's God's part. And so God has sent them away. He has ordered them to depart. He has forced them and drive them away. But here's our part that we have to lay aside. We have to bury them and we have to put them down. And so God's responsibility is that it is finished, it is done, the work is accomplished, your sins are forgiven. Our part to take part in this reality is a process, and I say a process because there's nobody who is going to lay every single sin down and never sin again. This is just not the reality. But it is a an engaging in the process that because of what Christ has done and the forgiveness that has been provided for me, I am going to begin to lay aside, I'm going to begin to bury, and I'm going to begin to put down my sins. And that is an awesome, awesome reality. Another thing this forgiveness is, uh, of sins um, uh, describes inside of the definition in, in the Greek is this is that it describes this powerful word called omit. And that is to leave out some details. And that seems like a, a powerful reality that, that, um, that God is not going to keep record of your wrongs. We are told this, as far as your east is from the west, so far have I put your sins away from me. 
And then it goes into this idea of God being love. And if we grab anything from the Bible, God is love. And then we understand that love keeps no records of wrong. And so that means that God is leaving out certain details and that your uh, transgressions, your mistakes are not being documented so he can whoop you one day. Uh, That is a powerful, powerful reality. So we're going to move on to the next story is the story of Levi. Jesus sees him at the tax collector's office sitting at the tax booth there. And he said, follow me. Okay. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. So I want to talk just for a brief moment about what it actually means to follow. Okay. And that is first in union. That is to act as uniting and joining two things into one. And that is what's beginning to happen inside of our reality that God has decided to take a residency inside of our hearts, inside of our lives. And Christ is in us and we are in Christ and we're in this uh, strange union and we're united and joined together. And what that means is that we were undergoing this process to become of the same mind set. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, right? The same mindset and the same motivations and the same desires. We have engaged and started this process. The second word to follow means to to be in the same way. And that means to resemble Christ said that a servant should be as his master. And what he was saying is that you should resemble me and uh, every respect possible. And that we should conform to the same mindset in every way possible. And to be similar in fashion and as much as humanly possible. So what is he saying there? It's not saying that we should go and and um, look at Christ's life and then struggle and strive to, to act or imitate him. But it's something far different that his spirit has come to reside within us, empowering us to live this amazing life. And that the fruit of that life is to begin to walk inside that reality. You see, one says, you know what, I have to struggle to be Christ-like. And the other one says that I have Christ's life inside of me. One is the way of religion. One is the way of power. One looks at the commands of Christ and says, you know what, I'm going to struggle to, um, to obey these so God can love me and accept me. The other way says God loves me, accepts, accepts me, lives inside of me, and is empowering my life to do great things. One is the way of ease. That's where Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The other way is the way of struggle and pain. That is the way of a transgressor is really hard. The life of faith is meant to flow through us. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. The third definition of this follow is to accompany. That is to go together and to associate together. Man, this is extremely relevant for our recovery because that is God's plan for our lives is for us to go together with him and to associate our lives together. And the last one is to be a disciple. And to be a disciple is 
is more than being a Christian. You see, a Christian um, might make a commitment of faith, and whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And and uh, it's very um, simplistic in a way. But a disciple is a, is a pupil, and that means that I have decided to be a student. I have decided, much like Levi, that I'm going all in. And that I am going to be the kind of person that says, you know what, God, I am at your service. I'm going to imitate you. I believe that your paradigm, I believe that your view and opinion of things is the most important thing for my life. And I'm going to accept that and I'm going to walk in that. When you look inside the the idea of a disciple, uh, Jesus gave very tough and, and, and uh, uh, commands. At one time he said, if you look back, then you're not fit. And all of these things, he, he, he makes the, the path of discipleship more responsibility. You see, he had 12 disciples, but he spoke to the masses, right? And the masses believed, but to be a disciple was another level of intimacy, another level of power. And so a lot of men are Christians, but they're not disciples. And the main characteristic of a disciple, as Levi did, he left all and he began to follow him. You see, there's a lot of things that we must leave behind. And what that means is that, you know what, I'm not going to include these on my journey. I'm not going to, to take these along for the ride. And the question we got to ask ourselves is, do we want the baggage from the past to carry with us to the future? Because a disciple looks at that and says, you know what, I'm going to leave all. I'm going to all, I'm going to go all in. And I'm, I'm not going to be the kind of disciple that carries all this weight with me into the future. So I'm going to decide to lay that down. And I'm going to go all in. This word abandon is tied to leave it all, and it says to give up and never claim the right or interest in it again. It means to forsake. That means to renounce and to turn away from entirely. And so what needs to rise up in the heart of a disciple is this, is, you know what? I'm going to abandon the old things, the old way, the old system, the old mindset, the old paradigms, everything that's in the past. I'm going to lay those things down and I'm going to forsake them and I'm going to turn away from them entirely. And this is what the walk of sobriety and cleanness is all about. We look at our old ways, our old habits and our old addictions. And we say, you know what? I am giving this up and I'm never claiming or picking this up again. It's a commitment that says for today, I am going to forsake and turn away from entirely my ha detrimental habits and my addictions that have brought me pain. And so for today, the empowerment of God comes because we make a choice today to leave all and to follow him. And guess what the God does with that kind of commitment? He sees your faith, and he empowers it and begins to accomplish the healing that you desire.
Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Peace.